I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, where I will not be talking about the Hawks giving up 7,000 points uh, on this very evening to the Orlando Magic. Uh, Can't do it. I can't do any more Hawks stuff. I've already lost my voice once complaining about the Hawks this week. I am not doing that again to talk about anything but the tragic mess that is the Atlanta Hawks. I'm joined by my old friends. They're back here on this very program. Lauren Gunn of Mavs Moneyball. Lauren, good evening. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm actually going to be in Nashville this Friday. So I'm going to be in your territory, which is crazy. But I'm very excited. This is the hat. The Smashville hat. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. That tells you how much I know about hockey and everything (laughs) going on there. But I'm really excited. I haven't been to Nashville in like a year. So I'm super excited to go back. And I also feel your pain with struggling to the Orlando Magic because the Mavs have lost to a Paolo Bancaro less and I believe Franz was also out of that game if I'm remembering correctly so I totally get your pain cancel the Magic that's what we're saying cancel <laughs> honestly and then uh no at Nashville we are going to be my wife tried to get because you're a big Swift fan right a T-Swift fan you're uh yes I am mm-hmm and look, she's fine with me when she stays away from my dude. Like when Jake gets involved in the process, I that's when she started to lose me because I was I was in on the albums before that. And then she went after Jake and the best uh, actor of this generation. Uh, shout out to Prisoners, Nocturnal Animals, Nightcrawler. Um, look, Jake G's my guy. And there's just there's a line that cannot be crossed for me mm. and for my musicians and going after Jake. uh it was it was tough for me, so I was kind of split for a little bit, Lauren. Um, mm. But look, that was in the past. She's moving forward. She's putting out bangers after bangers, selling out and ruining uh, a lot of people's afternoons, including mm-hmm. my wife. So she tried. She was on all day trying to get the Nashville show. Didn't get it. Really? You, did you get any tickets? Are you going? I did. Oh, I'm not I, letting her listen to this. I can't. Yeah, do I feel. I don't. I. She's don't the biggest Taylor Swift fan. Y'all, y'all, yeah. let, y'all would have fun. You should tell her. I'd love to chat with her I'm, about it. Yeah, she's a humongous Taylor Swift fan. That's her That's her jam. Like, I had to listen to the entire album on the way to multiple dinners. To <laughs> I love my that. T- yeah, like, that was, uh, she had a take. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not a music person. I don't know what I'm supposed to say to these takes. I don't have, like, a, I don't know what's good or what's not good. Yeah. I feel uh, unqualified to that's talk fair. about music. It's just at least you say that instead of being like, "This is trash." I yeah, hate I'm not this. that person. I don't. I hate that person. I'm sorry if you're that person. Yes. 
take a look in the mirror. Stop hating happiness. Let people enjoy what they like. Uh, like the Los want. Angeles Lakers, Corbin Ford also here, who enjoys the Los Angeles Lakers, who I, I give a hard time I, about enjoying the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes. Just, look, do you, man. Like I do, and I look in the mirror every day, so it works <laughs> out. And I will also be in Tennessee next week, actually. I'll be in Jackson. Were you really? What is yes, happening? I, I oh know, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> We're all in different areas, all in Tennessee next week. Look at that. So Wait, what part of Tennessee are you going to? Uh, Jackson. Where is... I don't even hold on. Jackson, Tennessee. I've heard of that. Where's Jackson? I don't know. I've never been. Oh. <laughs> so this um, is gonna be a surprise. Yeah. No, I'm uh my girlfriend's family is over there, so I will be meeting them for the first time. Oh, this is Memphis. Whoa, okay. Oh, exciting. There you go. Oh, you're meeting the family. Is this like a Christmas meet? Like a full, like big time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you know, it's yeah, we actually we worked in FEMA a couple years ago, so we uh-huh. met in Mississippi. It was yeah, like five years ago. So fast forward and yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's gonna be fun. Um, we'll see how I'm it goes. Free man, you're gonna do thank great. You. Thank is this you. This the I first time you've it. ever met them. Yes, I mean they, we had uh, some a few intimidating Zoom calls in my. <laughs> so it's been okay. <laughs> it's been okay. So you know, Zoom calls. Yeah, I, love I mean that. they're they're not Lakers fans. Not any of them. They're all uh-huh. for some reason Atlanta fans. Which well, hold on, sucks to be them. Yeah, but, well, so, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I can't say that. Thing. I can't say that. Thing. I would get in trouble, and I can't get in trouble with you, Chase either. But it's okay. You know, as a Lakers fan right now, we're gonna have help coming. What trade deadline? The unofficial trade help? starts tomorrow. What are we doing? What, what, what help? Here? Christian I Wood, think they're gonna get some help. I'm throwing out Christian. <laughs> I, think, I mean, I think they can get some help. I'm not gonna. Lauren lie. just wants to give them. Yeah, Thank Christian you, Wood. She just wants Thank a first you. round pick. No, she wants no, a multiple I, first round listen, picks. Listen, I'm Christian not gonna lie. I said Christian Wood just to see a Lauren's reaction. I wanted Christian Wood last year. <laughs> I took Lauren the knows I took the both love. Yeah, exactly. We both love us some Christian Wood. I wanted him last year. I thought he would have been perfect front court partner for Anthony Davis. It's not happening now. It's not. There's no way that's happening. But I mean, there might be other pieces. Listen, like our who? We'll, we'll talk about, okay first let's off let's get into the lakers i need to, we need to get this off our plate like we need to i don't know what's happening corbin i thought we were done with this i thought we moved forward <laughs> is it just the anthony davis which by the way it's time for a rant anthony davis is not an mvp candidate he has not even been a, like there's no conversation for anthony davis being in the mvp conversation the amount of wins that he has to pile up and the how high up the lakers have to get to for him to join that conversation it's just not happening like the Lakers have to be a top four seed in the West to get there. It's not happening. Anthony Davis is not a uh, he is not an MVP uh, candidate whatsoever. Let's just see where he's at twenty games from now. Why have we not learned our lesson with the Anthony Davis LeBron era yet? What what are we doing here? Why why are we pretending that this is going to keep up for sixty games? Why are we pretending the Lakers are going to continue this rise when they blow games to? the Boston Celtics late on their home arena. Why do we pretend that a team that relies so much on Austin Reeves and Russell Westbrook off the bench, that this is a team that should be taken seriously as a top four seed in the West. Why is this a team where West, where depth is winning out over and over and over again, where the Suns, the the Memphis Grizzlies, the new Orleans Pelicans who build a team around young superstars and have depth everywhere are going to fall down to the Los Angeles Lakers in the year 2022. What are we doing, Corbin? What what world is that? In what world is that a possibility? So 
That was a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm like, dang, Chase, are you ever gonna let this Chase, man live? Yeah, yeah, you're really making philosophy. First, I got, I got pushed back on. Florida, I was gonna let him live if he moved on. Like, I moved on from the Hawks. The no. Hawks are a train wreck. It, okay, l- listen. If the MVP, first off, I'm really against talking MVP all these awards when we're like a quarter of the season through. I would rather yeah. look at the entire body of work at the end of the year, in between, just before the playoffs start and the end of the year, like everyone else, all the voters do. And then go from there because right now Jason Tatum has a hot month. Great. Then he loses to really good teams on his tier, and all of a sudden, oh, is it Luka Doncic who's doing amazing? But his team sucks outside of him and maybe Christian Wood. Or we look down to Steph Curry, who's great if he's playing. If he's off the bench, he's no longer MVP candidate. So, like, I'm really, I don't like doing all that. Now that being said, if the MVP conversation was to go to ten players, AD has to be on there. He's maybe eight, nine, or ten, but he's definitely on there. He has been a tremendous reason why Lakers are even where they are right now. But even if we look at his play independent of the team's success, like any success they've had is largely derived from his shoulders, like his performances, right? And then his numbers, his impact on the defensive end, I have him as my defensive player of the year. Again, I said I don't do this, but if I were to do it, he would be there. Like his numbers there are great. I just feel like with the parity that we see in the NBA – Yes, the Lakers are on the shorter end of that totem pole since we were actively, like, under 500. But, like, if you look at the Warriors, look at the Mavericks, look at every team not named the Celtics and maybe Milwaukee, your record's not going to look great. We have a whole lot of MVP Well, we have three MVP candidates whose record, who record is great. Like, well, the, it's going to come down to three guys. Like, it's three guys, and I think unless catastrophic injuries derail them, it's down to three. Well, like, I don't think— It's Giannis Tatum? Kind of, okay, Tatum, yeah. Zion. And Ja, mm-hmm. that's it. One of those three breaks through, whoa, and one of those whoa. three wins it. You heard it here, I, I, December fourteenth. I thought you were gonna say. Yeah, it's not the three. I thought you were gonna. Say. I thought. I don't think. I don't know. I'm not putting my chips on Luca this year because I think the team has just far not too good enough to figure yeah. out. But I, my three are Luca, Giannis, Tatum. To me, those are the three that I'm kind of looking at right now. I just worry about the bonus, bon- uh, the voting fatigue with Giannis. Giannis is probably my agree. number one. I but I just that's don't. why I think it's Tatum's year, and I do yeah. more than this. That I, I really do think it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. can I actually ask a question on the Lakers real quick? Yes, because I, I'm very curious, kind of for both of your takes. Where, where are you at? Kind of seeing Russ have a little bit of success in this six man role, or even a lot of success, depending on where you stand. Like, where do you, where are you at in terms of like a trade? potential trade package like where are you at right now what's the bare minimum you're taking for a russell westbrook <laughs> i'll let you and, are, and are you taking novice for talk <laughs> no <laughs> listen when lebron yeah. might make him like an austin on playing i'm gonna let unless we were playing defense but i'm gonna let chase go i saw your face work up chase unless you want me to go you go they're 23rd in point differential what are we doing with this lakers team they're not good and Russell Westbrook being off the bench, it's like he's 15, 5, and 5. And I saw this stat, I think it was, was it last night or two nights ago, where it was like um, Russell Westbrook's like the first bench guy to average 15, 5, and 5 ever. Was that the stat? Is It, it was something uh, like that. Something like uh, that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty certain it was something like that. Yeah. But either way, Westbrook at this point, like I think what helps the Lakers right now is the Pacers are falling off a little bit. They were in the top four, uh, the first 20 games of the season. Now they're down to about 500. Um, they're a play-in team. If the play playoff started today, I don't, I just, any Russell Westbrook package is just going to be like, unless it's the Pacers one with uh, either Turner or Heald, 
I just don't think he yields a return. I think it's just a salary, like a mover. I don't know, maybe DeRozan now because the Bulls are falling off a cliff that maybe you can try and see what Chicago's interested in on that front. But I still just, I think Russell Westbrook's in a buyout guy wherever he goes. They buy him out and then we'll see where he latches on. But I mean, I think he does deserve some credit for coming off the bench and making that change and not going the Carmelo Anthony route where like they literally had to send him out of the league so that you could understand that you are a bench guy and there's value because he revitalized his career coming back with the Blazers um, and it it worked um, for him uh, for several more years. So I think he's going to be able, he's, he deserves credit for that. But I mean, in terms of Lakers trade packages, I just, I don't know, like Patrick Beverly doesn't fit. He's been really bad for them. They probably need to move off him, but I just, I don't think they have anybody that moves the needle and gets someone that actually really gets the Lakers out of the predicament. Like I've said, and Corbin knows this deep down in his heart is that LeBron James has already played his last meaningful basketball game of his NBA career. It happened a while ago. (laughs) I like how you say Corbin knows this and then go with (laughs) off the wall claims that I have no thinking at all. Like, wow. First off, like to answer Lauren's question before we go to that defamation of LeBron James basketball play. I I didn't say that's done. Hold on. Not defamation. You can't do that. That was not defamation of LeBron James basketball play. Of his future play. No, it's not him. It's it's not a LeBron problem. This is a Lakers problem. This is a Lakers front office problem. I see what you're saying. It's a problem. Yeah, no, it's a LeBron. I mean, well, he did sign in. He did lock in where he he can't be traded this year. So he kind of did it to himself. Um, But yeah, no, it's over. He's waiting for Bronny, and then he's going to move on to bigger and better things. I, I will say this right now. I I, I no longer I'm not going to listen. <laughs> I don't maybe okay, I can I can safely tell and see this team as like a championship contention team. Yeah. Right now we're setting our bar a little lower. I think we kind of have to. We've seen the best that AD can do. We've seen I think the best that a 37 going on 38 in two weeks LeBron can do. And that's that's been fine. But you need the right supporting cast and the Lakers do not have that right now and they probably don't have the means for it. But to go specifically to Russ, cuz I think there's a there's a way you can change at least the level of this from a possible play-in team to like a playoff team. I think there's ways to it. I don't know if, if Russ is the way. I, I think that Russ buying in has been great. Like his accepting this bench role, putting up his numbers has been great. He's been the same player he's been. Efficiency-wise, listen, you're not going to Russ for top efficiency, like 40% from the field, 29% from three. Like you never go for Russ for like nice scoring numbers. But for him to make the impact he's been able to do um, to make, be the kind of fire for the second unit that picks up the collective pace of the Lakers. They play so slow when LeBron starts. Then LeBron gets subbed out for Russ. Then they pick up, and that's the pace they usually ride with until crunch time when LeBron gets the ball back, and then we see what happens. I think last night was, like, the perfect type of – it was the perfect summation of this Lakers season. You had the good. You had the bad. You had the ugly. You had good Austin Reed performance. You had – undersized backcourt trying to guard star forward size players. You had LeBron running a decent offense through, you know, a major comeback in the second half. You saw LeBron tire down the stretch. AD not touch the ball. Russ get baited into long jump shots that he was going to miss. You know, defense not be able to stop anybody. Jason Tatum light up LeBron and make him look like he is a 38-year-old, you know, trying to play with quicker, just much twitchier athletes. So we saw it all. I, I, I say that by saying Russ has been 
it's crazy to say an asset for this team that you're not going to listen listen i'm not saying i'm with you i'm with you. you thank you Lauren. okay what's see, the asset part that he's 73rd well, of 73 point guards in the weak. nba and defensive no, real plus minus on a team that desperately needs anyone to put yes, up numbers and showing that he can still make an impact he has made an impact you can look at the numbers in fact i'll recommend They're 11 Jason. and 16 okay well okay listen that's because the collective it's it's 80 boom uh-huh. russ i mean 80 mm-hmm. LeBron a couple ticks below that, and then Russ a couple ticks below that, and then let's get the popcorn guy, let's get Rob Palenka, let's get Jeannie Buss in there. Then we think about Austin Reeves. I'm just kidding. Austin Reeves is a little <laughs> bit higher. And then there's several... Austin Reeves is actually good. He's okay. Yes, Austin Reeves is nice. He's a, a, a low-utility kind of guy who brings a lot of intangibles to offense. But that's saying, like, he like just, okay... He grinded the Anthony Morrow tape for the last 10 years and was like, yes. I found my... This is how I, this is how I win. This is him. <laughs> But I think he's fits in. Yes, that's shout out to Morrow. But he fits in on a team that has he plays off a of superstar talent. You're not gonna go. It's like the Bulls saying, "Okay, guess what? Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, they're out. Alex Caruso, bring us home, buddy. Let's get 35." Like that's not going to happen. And the same with Reeves. Reeves has like a higher upside of that happening, but that's not going to happen. Caruso, he'd be nice to have in the Lakers right now. What happened there? Did the Lakers? That oh, is cool. Cool. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I can't even. I, I don't know how you deal with this, Corbin. I don't know how you <laughs> yeah. deal with this, Lauren. I don't even know what to say right now. I know. Sometimes I'm just like, Let, next question. Look away. Look away. <laughs> Bottom line, I think our best package is Kendrick Nunn, the 2027 or the. How are you starting with Kendrick Nunn? Because I don't want to start with Patrick Beverly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> those two <laughs> it's those two and a first round pick all right and and you try For to what? see it. uh bogdanovich maybe maybe you see about evan fournier and cam reddish and you throw evan in Fournier is getting dmp cds in new york exactly but that's because tom Thibodeau don't know what you're doing like yeah a lot of people I, I completely DMPs. agree with that yeah i think, like I think you put evan fournier straight. on the lakers and people are gonna be like Oh my God! Why wasn't he playing in the Knicks? Yes, like I think I a hundred percent would not be surprised, and I think the Cam Reddish ties are real. So I, that's definitely something I'm keeping my eyes on. Thank you. Exactly. So I look at that. It's not gonna again. It's not making you championship contenders, but let's face it. If we were to hop on 2K right now or any of the basketball simulation, take this team and try to make a champion, we're not gonna do it. It's <laughs> and, and I've, I've I've faced that reality now. It hit me square in the face at 11:35 last night. Some could say I was too late, but listen, I don't. I've been on this for a year and a half, Corbin. Yes, like but I, Chase, you're, you're a pessimistic Laker fan, but you're not a Laker fan. I'm not. I'm just saying this reality. It would have <sighs> saved you, like, just, like, I'm ejecting from this Hawks season. Like, I'm ejecting from the pain and torture from what this season is doing, where it's like, oh, this is getting significantly worse. This is going to get worse. I never jumped on. I didn't, I'm, I'm actually think they've outperformed. I, th- I did not think of DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, forget the, in my mind, some mm-hmm. just kind of under the surface personality stuff between DeJounte Murray as a player person, Trey Young as just what we've heard, and Nate McMillan, his coaching style. I figured there was going to be some tension. You had John Collins sitting there on the vine. He's still, word has it, on the vine there. Like, there was a lot of stuff there that I didn't think they were going to be as good as they've been. Like, shout out to AJ Griffin. For two game winners, right? AJ's good. Um, he's, he's legit. AJ is good. That's a solid pick, yes. And yes, the DeJounte Murray injury, I'm sure that Hawks optimists are going to look at that and go, that's what did it. 
but their numbers weren't super great before that. So no, you know what did it that, was not paying Kevin Herter and just trading Kevin Herter for Mo Harkless and Justin Holiday, and then immediately cutting Mo Harkless, and then Justin Holiday being in the rotation for 15 games, shooting 29% from three, and being an absolute liability on both ends of the floor. And then Aaron Holiday, the other brother. We we're allowed to have every Holiday who's not good. <laughs> the Atlanta Hawks are only allowed to have the Holidays that aren't good, and unfortunately, I mean, that's we two got of the three. Kumpo, so. <laughs> there you go. Um, I remember when the Mavs tried that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all, Mavs, we've all we've all been we've all tried that one. <laughs> but at least you get fun stuff with Luca now, where Luca gets technicals for yelling at his own teammates and then gets all that mad because he's uh, look. That was great. I think it was Dwight Powell, right? It where was. he's just yelling at Dwight to uh, uh, watch out. Just... You saw him at the end of that Bucks game. Oh yeah, like. You oh, know, yeah. Lauren. I'm top preaching the choir. He's this is the, okay. Yeah. Let's let's get to Lauren's fun. Like, yeah. You know what's great? This is just like a therapy session. All of yeah. our teams are just terrific right Good now. Good God. Yes. No one's allowed to have fun in the NBA anymore. Um, what's going on with the Mavericks, Lauren? Oh God, what isn't going on? I mean, <laughs> like I, I've I don't even know where to begin because. Just about every, I mean, everything that you see on a night-to-night basis is just like, what are we doing from the rotation to the starting lineup, to the closing lineup, to the coaching, to the calls? It's all pretty bad. That honestly was a perfect place to stop. But That really was. <laughs> That was a perfect place. It's all really bad, Lauren. Oh, but, you know, continue. It okay, worked that one. Go. That actually was a good freeze. because That was it a was, good freeze. Yes. It stopped perfectly. Yeah. Oh, my God. I no, mean, it's great. The Mavs, the Mavs right now, they just – it's it's not good. It's it's not good. I think that there's a lot of frustration that's visible at the same time. It's 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 funny because I find myself as like, where does Luca draw the line where he's like, oh, I've hit my limit? Because while I don't think he's – you know, going to ask out in the next year, I think they're getting really, really dangerously close to that window. Uh, But what I do find to be interesting is when they are on and when you see him around his teammates, like you can tell he just really loves this group. So on a personal level and like in those moments where they're not at the games or they're warming up, like you can see how much he loves this team. And so I do wonder what goes through his head. Where does he draw the line where he's like, this team just isn't good enough. And kind of how does he view that? That's something that I'm consistent or constantly trying to figure out. Um, and Reggie Bullock, I guess I can start there. He's starting to turn it around. And historically, he does kind of get going in December. And same can be said for a lot of the guys on the rest of this team. But they just don't always have the luxury of waiting two months into the season, almost three months to really get things going. I mean, it just it's 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 ridiculous, quite frankly. And so I have said that to me, it's so bad right now watching this team that I have no idea how they go through the rest of the season without making some kind of trade. Now, similar to a lot of other teams, their moves are pretty limited in what they can try and make happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if they try and look at some of these situations around the league and look to see an opera, try and seize an opportunity where they can move significant money um, and may have to give up draft assets to do it. They may try and go the Miles Turner route where they give up draft assets to bring him in. I really don't know what they're going to try and do because they right now it kind of seems like no idea is a bad idea. It's really truly that bad. And so I have my thoughts on what I think that they should do, but I have no reason right now to believe why they should that they will do it. Do you think Jason Kidd likes Josh Green? 
I think he loves Josh Green. I do. Oh, yeah, that's just like, that's Green. a thing. I just I pick up on Mavs Twitter and I pick up whenever I'm catching up on Mavs stuff. It's like Jason Kidd really likes Josh Green. That man he is does. a big Josh Green fan. And thank God because Carlisle wasn't. And yeah. there were so many times where I would be like, man, we're not gonna like in the Carlisle era, we're not gonna win this game. But what we so throw Josh Green out there. He needs the reps. He needs the development opportunity, and he needs to see the confidence in him from his coach. And one thing that you can rely on Josh Green to do is make energy plays. He will mm. make some momentum changing plays. And so now that he's consistently um in a role where he has the opportunity to do so and really impact a game, we're really seeing what he can do. And I have absolutely loved it, which is why I would pretty much push all my chips in that Reggie Bullock is getting traded uh, because Josh Green is the younger, more effective version of Reggie Bullock. Um, and I think, and he's up for an extension. So I kind of think that that's the direction that they're going to go. And if they want to try and do anything, moving Reggie Bullock, who's on a very affordable contract, um, but also very movable contract, that plus draft assets is going to be their best way at trying to get something that could help this team in the immediate future. Obviously, probably you're going to probably need to add something else on top of that because I don't know how enticing that package is. But the Mavericks right now, I just don't see a world in which they just stand pat this season and wait for all their picks to become available and go from there. I just don't think that they have the luxury to wait that long. I also think they kind of got dealt like they're in a unique spot where and I'm sure Luca probably understands this where. Look, you got to the Western Conference Finals last year. That mm-hmm. buys you a little bit of time. It happened with Trey in the East, right? And mm-hmm. he was just like, hey, we were losing a lot early on. Uh, Lloyd Pierce got fired. We made this change. We went on this big time run. Like it bought the Hawks some time and some good, uh, just some goodwill with Trey and their superstar. Mm-hmm. They go to the Western Conference Finals last year with Jalen Brunson, who was a big mm-hmm. part of that. Yep. It's not. I don't think it ultimately comes down. I don't think Luke is looking at what happened there. Of like, oh, how are you surrounding me with this? Why is Spencer Dinwiddie such an important player? Why am I having to worry about uh, Dallas Texas Legends games with Jaden Hardy and see <laughs> mm-hmm. what he's doing? And like, oh, he's coming in what two years? Like when? When will he be ready to really go to war with me? Like mm-hmm. Jalen just did uh, a year ago. The timelines are just not not great there. They don't match great. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder for him because a like he was my preseason MVP pick where I was like, you lose Jalen, but you probably gain the MVP narrative. If that makes sense, where it's like he lost his guy for nothing. Now he can just go (laughs) lead the league in scoring. Uh, There'll be a top four seed in the West because they have enough shooting and they, they only play vets really. Like that's the other part of it is just like, I generally speaking in the regular season, trust teams like the Mavs because Mm -hmm. they have the superstar who plays hard every single night and will do just about enough to keep you in every game. And then, you have so much shooting when they're on like in December and maybe we'll see what happens here. We're like, I'm not ready to completely write off the Mavs of like yeah. a 15 of they win 15 to 20 really mm-hmm. soon. Like, and then we're yeah. just like, Oh, the Mavs are just right there at the three or four seed again. And wondering like well, they just don't have the talent around Luca to still make a deep playoff run. You're like, Luca might be enough to make a deep playoff run every year. Um, I don't yeah. know. I just, I, I think they were dealt a really rough hand where Jalen Brunson, I mean, we don't have to get into why Jalen Brunson is a New York Nick, but there were different circumstances, uh, family circumstances Mm -hmm. that may have been involved in that. So it's like you lost your second best player Mm -hmm. for nothing. Like you didn't get a trade out of it. You didn't get anything. And you just kind of had to throw money somewhere. And you're like, okay, Christian Wood. (laughs) Yeah. I just I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I feel bad for the Mavs. Yeah. I mean, it's a miracle that the Christian Wood trade happened 
Corbin, go go ahead. Oh no, sorry, Lauren. I just want to point out that he feels bad for your team, but not mine. <laughs> yeah, right. I think that Let's is also very you. valid. I always get the easy. I get out easy. You do not. I recognize it. No, well, hold on. And it's also the Mavs haven't won. The Mavs has been ten years. We're looking at ten years. They've won once in my lifetime. Once the Lakers have the history, Corbin. The we Lakers. The Lakers have it. You've got to win a lot. Listen, got listen. To, yeah. I'll, okay, I'm, I'm going to push back just a little, Chase, because the uh-huh. Mavericks had a good – when they won in 2011, yeah. that was a well-constructed team. What happened the very next year? They let – they traded Tyson, Tyson Chandler. Chandler. Yeah. They let – I think it was J- – no, Tyson Chandler right? left, and then the next year it was Jason Terry, Jason Kidd, wherever the case yeah. may be. Point being, we did the exact same thing in 2020 mm-hmm. with the Lakers. That's like, true. It's, That's true. It's I never thought front, about it that way. Yeah, it's the front office that just decides, right, you do you have a formula, it works, you see it, and then you go, okay, let's do something different. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot which way the Mavs lean to Lauren. I'm sorry. I don't remember that much, but I know, There's not much I know to Lamar remember, Odom joined y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and then for us, we said Montrezl Harrell and Dennis Schroeder were the answers. And, like, now Montrezl Harrell can't get off Philly's bench, and Dennis are starting point guard, and like you said, we're 11-18. So, point being, like, you know, I think that both of our front offices have been bad. We just, unlike Mavericks who, like, they had patiently been building. They had playoff exits, you know, to the Spurs and stuff like that. They finally won the chip. And then their front office blew things up. And then our front office was trash. We got a different office, lucked into a championship, and then decided to just bash it anyway. So I feel like right now, both front offices are kind of the same boat. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, and both offices have generational talents. It's mm-hmm. just that the Mavs maybe feel that they can, I don't know, because Luca's younger in a long-term deal, they mm-hmm. can, like, buy some time, whereas the Lakers, whether they feel that or not, are doing the exact same thing with the player 15 years old. So yeah. I think it's about the same. But anyway, Lauren was talking. I just wanted to call it the hypocrisy. <laughs> but I'm done. No. not hypocrisy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, I'll take geez. it. Just because of how much Westbrook <laughs> stuff I've thrown at you. I- I'll okay. let it slide. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I was going to say that I was. I have to say, saying that the Mavs got a rough deal is a really nice way of putting they handled Jalen Brunson's contract negotiations very poorly. Um, and I, I mean, I've heard multiple things on the timeline of when things were offered, what was on the table, what Brunson was communicating that he was more than willing to accept. And the Mavs front office continuing to just push that down the line, hoping mm. that, oh, well, we want to leave it available if, if something comes up at the trade deadline. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but Tim McMahon tweeted out around the trade deadline where the Pistons, who had had kind of been connected to Jalen Brunson, um, called Dallas and was like, hey, you know, we're interested in Jalen Brunson. And they said, oh, yeah. And the Mavs said, oh, yeah, we're interested in Cade Cunningham. Like that was their response. And so fast forward to free agency opening right before Jalen Brunson becomes an unrestricted free agent. The Knicks need to clear a little bit of money who goes and helps them the Detroit Pistons twice. So I, I mean, you can't be, you just can't do business that way. I'm not saying that the Pistons did it as a slight to the Mavs, but I just don't think you can pick up the phone and say, Oh yeah, I'll take Cade Cunningham. That's what it's going to cost you. And think that that's like a, Mm-hmm. It's gonna cost something. What is it gonna cost? It's right here. What is it gonna cost? These, this is a great part of the podcast. What is it gonna cost? They're actually pausing. Lauren's What's internet is pausing for great effect. This I feel oh like I'm, God, um, I'm. This is. This it's is okay. Good. We're good. We're at a play. Where did it cut out? Just tell it me where it literally cut out. cut out again at the play. Right, like we're said, ready to what go. What is gonna cost? 
Um, okay. At the point where you were like, and then it's going to cost? Oh, Cade Cunningham. They said <laughs> yeah. it's going to cost Cade Cunningham. And I'm wow. like, dude. Yeah, they, they say, so, okay. So they say, we're interested in Jalen Brunson. And and their, their response was, well, we're interested in Cade Cunningham. As yeah. if that was going to be a swap. Mm-hmm. That's, That's absurd. That is absurd. Yeah. And so yeah. then what happens? Fast forward to free agency. Who right before Jalen Brunson is about to become an unrestricted free agent, the Knicks need to clear a little bit of money. Who do they call? Who sends the trade? The Pistons, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, and then separate trade following right after Kemba Walker. Who does that? The, the, and it was great. It worked out great for the Pistons and it worked out great for the Knicks, I guess. Um, but it worked out for so, the Mavs. You get Kemba Walker in the end, which is what they always wanted. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. That's All a good right, one. I'll take that. I deserve that. I deserve that. But yeah, oh, I just... Boy. I will say what's interesting about the timeline of it all and how they kind of did luck into Luca, even just with him being the, at the level that he's at already. Um, yes, this is year one of his massive extension. And after this year, they are going to have all of their picks available. So they will have one more shot to kind of hit a home run swing on whatever disgruntled star says, Hey, I'm going to go give it a try with Luca. I'm not saying the Mavericks are going to have a young asset to surround a bunch of picks with, but they will have a ton of picks available and swaps that they can try and do something with that. I don't know what that's going to net them, but that's going to be their only shot. Um, And I do think that this year I am a big proponent that I do think that they should really consider trying to move a first round pick and maybe even a couple seconds, whatever it takes to get it done without doing two firsts to get Miles Turner. I think that that would be Mm. a great move for them because they're terrible at rebounding. And what's so crazy about this team and kind of circling back to something that you said about I'm not totally ready to write off this Mavs team. I'm so frustrated with this Mavs team this year, but they have been top 10 in offense. They have been top 10 in defense. They're just not hitting their threes and they're not closing games. So if December comes and goes, January 1st is here and those threes start falling and they're maintaining this level of defense, I will be intrigued to see if they start climbing up those standings and just where things kind of look for them. But they don't have a true five right now that is protecting the paint and it's it's painfully obvious. So that's why I do think, especially with someone like Miles Turner, who I think would be a huge asset on this team, someone that's from Dallas, does a lot of work in the Dallas community in his offseason and would likely resign. Uh, I think that that's a really, really good path for them to pursue. I just don't know that they're going to be willing to part with the picks to get it done. And it also keeps him away from the Lakers, which is a win-win for two of the three uh, members of this very <laughs> podcast. Um, who do you trust to have a deeper playoff run this year, Corbin? Is it the Pelicans or the Grizzlies? Because right now they're 1-2 in the West. And if you look back through the history of the NBA, we like to overthink it where there was a couple years ago where you were like, oh, how many bottom seeds are going to upset the top four in the West this year? And you're like, oh, all four one and the Lakers like all oh, Lakers Suns two seven. How will this go? And then it's like, oh, the team that had home court advantage ended up winning that series. surprise. Uh, the surprise of everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a surprise. Everyone. Um, but it makes me think like if the Pelicans and the Grizzlies keep gobbling up these regular season wins and they're i think the two deepest teams in the west right now like health permitting it's very likely at least one of them makes the western conference finals this year which is huge for both per, for both um teams but i think it i i just go back and forth on who i see being able to get there this year um in your estimation who do you have a better trust based on what you've seen through about 30 games here I mean, it's 
Hmm. For me, it's been interesting because both teams are have a nice mixture of like youth with some veteran talent. I think the Pelicans with CJ McCollum kind of skew more Jonas Valanciunas to the veteran side of it. Um, mm. Both have talents that are just kind of standalone uh, in John Morant and Zion. I lean toward the Pelicans, if only mm. because the availability of the Grizzlies' key players, whether it's due to health, if you look at John Moran, who's actually been mostly healthy this year, Desmond Bain's really been injured, or Jaron Jackson Jr., who I think is different because availability both if he's injured or not, but then if he's in foul trouble or not, which we saw plague them last postseason. Really came, you know, to bear in after their um, round, after the initial first round against the Timberwolves. So I like the Pelicans. I think that I trust their group more. Mind you, this is a group of Zion Williamson, which I know, like, it, just in general, you bring up Zion, it's like this is the healthiest season he's been. But look at what he's done. And also look at other guys who have come out as well. I mean, we've been going without Brandon Ingram for a large part of the season. When Brandon Ingram really drove this ship last year for the Pelicans alongside Caesar McCullum. Caesar McCullum's been battling, I think it was a virus recently. He was dinged up a little, but he hasn't been full strength because his game hasn't been up to normal CJ level. So I think the upside is just more there for the Pelicans when they're fully healthy. And they're sitting at the top of the West right now with basically one and a half of their three top guys, you know? Now, Grizzlies, yeah, once you get Desmond Bain back, he's been a revelation this year, really stepped up a lot in terms of additional playmaking, obviously shooting the lights out the ball and, and, and playing well. John Moran and Jaron Jackson as well. But after that, I, I mean, which young guy is going to step up? You know what I mean? Santi Adamas had some big moments, but he's had to play more of a role. David Roddy, you still have Brandon Clark in there, Tyus Jones, old reliable at point guard. Um, but do you really trust Dylan Brooks? I mean – Dylan Brooks is feeling I don't think the Grizzlies trust Dylan Brooks. Exactly. But, 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 yeah. And somehow he thinks that it's Dylan Brooks' time. Like, no one <laughs> yeah. has that there. <laughs> You're right about that one. <laughs> exactly. Like, always. Need a bucket, Dylan. It's like, bro, what are you doing? So, he's got a lot of, like, Deshaun Stevenson in him. He's got, he reminds me hey, a lot of Deshaun Stevenson. Hey, that was just uncalled for. <laughs> Hey, Deshaun Stevenson is an NBA champion in your Dallas Mavericks history, Lauren. He was a Dallas Mavericks starter. I will not accept any slights. I will not accept any slights. There you go. Hey, he was a hawk too, I think. I mean, I love a guy who won the dunk contest, I think. He did. He did. He did. I love a guy who is able to call himself a rival with LeBron and then tweet at LeBron asking for a job. That right there is some humble (laughs) that I can never do. That is why I will not accept any slander. That is some humble, man. I like to be that real, get down and go, this is what I need to do for it not to work. I feel bad, but like the fact that he did it, respect and salute to him. But also, isn't he he's the the high school player who on NBADraft.net compared him to Michael Jordan, right? Doesn't he have the Michael Jordan comparison? Listen, Deshaun and reality were never things that people said together. <laughs> I think right? it was him. No, no, no. It's not Deshaun, though. It was no, when he was, was getting... NBA draft net? Yes, they compared oh, him because they do this player the comp. They used to be them. super you wild. the same thing with them in reality. I love them, though. I, have, I, have to I know, but like Deshaun was like compared to Michael, and I just imagine as any basketball player was uh, just like compared. That's your NBA comp is the best player of all time. <laughs> I, would just, I would just retire. Yeah, I mean, just I there's just no retire. chance. Get an endorsement and be like, hey, they compared me to Michael. We'll never know. Yeah, but you know, but yeah, but no, I, I think at the end of the answer your question, I'm going with the Pelicans. Um, I just love their balanced identity. I love the fact that if you don't have Zion, you know, you still have a core that can work. If you don't have CJ, you still have, you know, Zion and Ingram. And if you're missing all three, then this wasn't fair to begin with. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I'm going to roll with the Pelicans here. Interesting. Lauren, which way are you leaning? You know, it's funny because it really is so close, but I lean the Pelicans as well. I hmm. mean, I, I don't 
I, and it's, I don't want to doubt jaw. Cause I know people can, it's, it's easy to kind of be like, Oh, he's really good, but he's not quite ready to, you know, because they're just, they're not necessarily a massive market. Like some of these bigger, t- like a Boston or an LA, but so I, it's not that I, I don't see what jaw is doing, but I just kind of think new Orleans is more built for it. I mm. really like the formula that they're putting together and, and like Corbin said, their top three guys, while their team is playing very well and they're top five in both offensive and defensive rating, um, their guys are just, they could be doing better. Like we've seen them put up better numbers. And I think in a playoff environment, being able to rely on someone like Brandon Ingram to, to get a bucket or, or Zion Williamson down in the post, assuming he's available. But I think, you know, it's the same conversation with Jaron, just like Corbin said. Um, and then the composure that a guy like CJ McCollum can play with and being able to rely on someone like Herb Jones and even Trey Murphy, who's been phenomenal for them uh, in terms of just, God, just potential, I guess, and ceiling. I think he's a really, really fun player for them. And so I I just trust them and I trust Willie Green. I have so, so, so much respect for him. And even though he hasn't quite necessarily had an opportunity to really put a a deep playoff run together, I think he knows what it takes. I just I trust that guy. And so um I'm and that's not to say I don't trust Taylor Jenkins, but right now, I don't know. I just really like the formula that the Pelicans are putting out there. That's interesting. I'm going Grizzlies. Yeah, I, that's fair. Yeah, I think Zion's going to get there, but he he's never done it yet. Like he hasn't done the full the the run the gauntlet of a playoff series. Brandon Ingram hasn't done it yet. CJ McCollum's obviously been there, but Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, it's just I like their core and I like where they're going. I think they're the deepest team in the West and I think I mean, they're going to be as long as Zion stays healthy and Brandon Ingram is able to stay healthy, they're going to be in good shape for the foreseeable future. I think they have more long-term potential than the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies, it's going to be over quickly. Like Jaron Jackson and Jaw, it's just the injuries and Jaw style and Jaron's injuries to this point. I just, it's going to add up. And eventually it's just, it's going to be over and it's going to suck because it's going to be injuries that kind of sideline this Grizzlies team from being uh, the grit and grind era that just kept going and going and going. It's just, they're not going to be healthy like that. Um, But I could be wrong. But that being said, I think they're more ready for now. So it would surprise me less to see the Grizzlies in the finals than the Pelicans um, with this group. Desmond Bain, I think, was at a different level before he got hurt. Um, You mentioned a lot of their core guys and just seeing Grizz Hawks this week. Jaron Jackson versus Zion in the post would just be so much fun to watch in the Western Conference Finals because he's so good at blocking shots and he's such a good defender um, that I would love to see those two go to war. But it's also like... (laughs) jaw being covered by jose alvarado and herb jones and herb jones just being on doesn't but like this is the matchups i think would be so fascinating to watch and it would be such an intense series that i'm hoping that's how it goes but i just i keep looking at it and i'm like i think memphis with this group with jaw being a little bit more experienced uh leading uh this team and he showed a lot in the playoffs last year i think the Pelicans will get there. I just think of the two right now, who am I a bigger believer in uh, breaking through and making the Western Conference Finals if they're a top two seed? For me, I think it's the Grizzlies, but neither would uh, surprise me. And it's also awesome for the NBA for New Orleans or Memphis to uh, make the Western Conference Finals and uh, shake things up there. Um, the Nets are suddenly 17 and 12 and winning a lot of basketball games. Uh, Lauren, are you a believer that the Nets are are okay and that they can win the East? win the east oh yeah 
I, I mean, I believe that they're okay for now. Okay. I do not believe that they will win the East. I just, I can't. I, I'm a big, I'm a big continuity, chemistry, uh, stability person. And if you don't have those things, I'm not saying that they don't have chemistry, but to me, they don't have consistency and they don't have stability. So I, I just don't trust them. They can surprise me by all means, but I just, I'm not pushing in my chips on that one. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, Corbin. Do you, I don't it's know. Hard. It's it's really hard because you're doubting Kevin Durant at this point where it's like mm-hmm. we've seen what healthy Kevin Durant does in the East and like um, just him almost being the Bucks by himself two years ago. Like that was not that long ago that Kevin Durant was just without Harden, without Kyrie. He was still like, I can beat Giannis by myself. And they probably win that series if they're healthy and maybe they win the title that year. I don't know. We'll never know. It's a big what if. For in Brooklyn, that this whole just Kevin Durant experiment is big. What if? But Corbin, do you think now there is enough that you've seen that uh, if Kyrie, this is the other big part of it. If Kyrie just stays at this point, and we don't hear from Kyrie off the court for like the rest of the year, and Ben Simmons continues to get better, and they get TJ Warren back, obviously they have a lot of veterans who have played in a lot of important playoff games. Um, you're gonna get Claxton back, who's been really good for them. I think they still have a trade or two to make. Um, they have intriguing um, uh, contract year guys and Seth Curry and Joe Harris. Like they have some avenues to make some finishing touches to build the best closing five to to win the East. And I mean, I think if you're Boston, you're Milwaukee, you feel good uh, in a seven game series against um, Brooklyn, but you don't feel great. It's still Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in a seven game series. It's just if those two are on the floor, it's. It's going to get dicey. Do you do you share that sentiment? Yeah, I, I'm with you both. I don't see them. I don't see. I'm with Laura. I don't see them doing that. I just like mm. if they make like there's avenues for them to improve their roster. And if they take them, depending on which ones they take, mm-hmm. sure. As it stands right now, thank like, you. As it stands right now, yeah, you saw what a healthy Kevin Durant could do last year. Mm. Also, heavy the healthy Kevin Durant who was worn down playing heavy minutes, which he is still doing, by the way. Um, in a playoff series where you can focus your attention to shut him down as much as possible, which you probably can't do, but you can do just enough to win the game. We saw the Boston Celtics do that when they swept. Every game was close, but Boston pretty much had every game in hand, right? I can see the same thing going here. Right now, you're right. If Kyrie is healthy and stays on the floor, great. You have a better shot at that, although he was healthy and on the floor when they got swept last season as well. That being said, Ben Simmons, been battling knee soreness, knee injury, back injury all season long, right? Seth Curry, Ankle. Joe Harris, ankle. You know, um, can't free can't, um, TJ Warren just came back from extensive injury. So, I mean, he's going to be kind of on a wait and see for a minute with me. Uh, Cam Thomas, free Cam Thomas, maybe? I don't know. I don't, personally, I don't like Cam Thomas' attitude just off the bat. He seems like someone who's like made, making a kerfuffle for someone who just scores. Like, okay, you're like a discount Karis LeVert, but whatever. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wow, Cam Thomas catching strays from Corbin on this one. I just, yeah, Nick Claxton is good, except when it comes to hitting free throws or rebounding in the clutch. So, like, you have question marks up and down the team. Only constant, really, is Kevin Durant. And like we established, Hmm. when you have a 34-year-old playing 38 minutes a night for your team to have a good chance of winning, that's fine. It's not really fine, but it works okay (laughs) in November, December. You know, April, May, a little more dicey. So, I, I, I don't see it. They have the upside, though. I just, 
I want to see if there's something else. Like we're in mid-December. So people are like, oh, it's, we're there. I'm like, there's still so much time in this NBA season for more insanity from the Brooklyn oh, yeah. Nets. They've been quiet for like three weeks. Like, we're, <laughs> Which we're, is crazy. Yeah, that seems like a record. <laughs> it does. And that's the whole part of it is like, I mean, can we just wait a little bit longer? Can we get to February? Can we get to March? Can we get a three-month sample size that they're just a normal? I don't think we're going to get to March. I don't think so. I think something else is going to happen. I just, something else is going to happen that just ends this. Or like Kevin would be, the funniest thing possible would be the Nets don't lose for like 10 to 12 straight games. And then Kevin Durant's like, trade me before the trade deadline, <laughs> where he gets all these wins and he's just like, I wanted to increase my trade value and uh, I want out though. I, I still mm-hmm. would very much want out. That would be, that'd be funny. That'd be crazy. Um, yeah. But Kevin's one of those guys who he could do it. Um, the last thing here, I think who might be the most intriguing trade deadline team, because I don't know which way they go. The Raptors are currently 13 and 14 uh, going into uh this week and they've played i think 15 lineups different starting lineups this year which is an nba most they haven't been healthy altogether uh nick nurse has been playing six guys uh 40 minutes a night for two and a half years now and it's worked in some areas like pascal siakam's gotten a lot of court time to get uh become a lot better um scotty barnes obviously playing a bunch of minutes early that's been good for his development og and anobi has been able to play a bunch um, but I remember listening to Zach Lowe on the low post where he's talking about like, there's questions around the league of like, do the Raptors believe in Barnes, OG and Pascal being like the right three that complement each other long-term in this, in this group. And you wonder, it's like Gary Trent Jr. He seems like the one that's most likely to get moved first, but they don't have a lot of guard depth. So I'm like, okay, if you move Gary Trent or you move Fred Van Vliet, like, I don't, what are you getting back? Cause like you're already an extremely thin roster. I think they're extremely fascinating and what Masai, who's never been afraid to be bold, what they do at the deadline. I think the Raptors for me is the team to watch over the next two months. Uh, do you share that sentiment, Lauren? Yeah, I, I definitely think they're, they're one to watch. I'm interested to see who kind of gets more buzz. I'm with you that Gary Trent, and Fred Van Fleet are kind of who I'm looking at. Like, it seems like I always kind of feel like with, with certain teams, you're going to have the two players that are going to get talked about most uh, in terms of being realistically or reasonably attainable. Uh, And I do think that those two are the guys. I just, I do wonder if they, they get a bunch of calls on OG, which I think that they will. And I think rightfully so Um, how much do they entertain those? Are they like, well, you know, we could go this direction. We, you know, Scotty, Pascal, even someone like Delano Banton and, and Christian Coloco, who I think that they're very high on, obviously different positions, but I just think that they do have versatility to kind of shift to if they did get some kind of crazy offer for someone like OG. Um, and so, again, not holding my breath on that one, but I do think that they have lots of options. And when you're going into the trade deadline, sometimes that that's, that's the best thing that you can have and you just never know which one you're going to take. And so um, – it's, it's one of those things where I agree with you that why they are an interesting team to watch because I could just as easily see them moving one, maybe even two guys if they really wanted to get crazy, but I can also see them standing pat and then turning a corner in the new year and becoming, you know, a, a, a 
competitive team in the playoffs and, you know, kind of a, a, a tough team to beat maybe, um, or just a competitive team that you just, you don't want to have to deal with because they're so versatile. So um, I'm definitely intrigued. It looks like there's already a bunch of interest with Gary Trent Jr. So I wouldn't be surprised if a ton of rumors pick up there, but I am really looking at Fred Van Fleet if they are like, you know what, the injuries, we just can't, you know, trust Mavs? it. <sighs> Mavs? He's just trying I, to cause Lauren Hurt right now. I here. mean, I tweeted out earlier that I think the Mavs would go for go the Kyle Lowry route before they hmm. went the Fred Van Fleet route. Ooh. Okay, um, why do you think that, Lauren? I'm sorry, I have to ask. Because go for it. Uh, because personally, I think that Miami is in for more of a, like I think that they would be in for more of a not like more in for more of a shakeup. But I think if they were really to try and like reset or move pieces, they would be the team that would go more drastic than Toronto. I think Toronto mm. would even though Toronto, I agree that Masai is not afraid to make a bold move. I just don't think that they need to move Gary or that they need to move Fred right now. Whereas Miami while I also don't necessarily think they need to move something right now, I do think that there's a package or an opportunity for them to move a Kyle Lowry to get Tyler Hero in that, you know, as a more consistent starter, maybe even move Duncan Robinson as well. There is a package that gets them, I mean, specifically with Dallas, I was just playing with numbers, but that gets them Reggie Bullock, Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't know how interested they are in that, but again, veteran wings that they could just kind of plug in and surround in terms of depth and sharing minutes and taking some of the minutes from, from Jimmy Butler and stuff like that and, and bring the defense. I do think that there are opportunities for them to move off of the Duncan Robinson com uh, contract. And I, I think that Kyle Lowry could potentially have to be a part of that if they want to try and retain those picks. Corbin, I think the one that I, I would say for folks to watch is OG for some, I don't, to get the money to work. I think it's OG for Carl Anthony Towns. I think Minnesota gets involved in something here. Like Minnesota, it's clear the, the Twin Tower stuff's not going to work. And the time is taking with Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell's been awful this year. They have to do some sort of shakeup, but Carl Anthony Towns getting hurt, I think kind of um put anything they do on ice for a little bit but man and when you're wondering like oh well what are they gonna do about their bigs it's like you know who they could try things with you put carl anthony towns hit nick nurse's system i og is 26 i think people still talk about og ananobi like he's 21 years old or it's like this untapped potential and i mean he's like third in defensive real plus minus among all shooting forwards this year and that's good still Long work in progress leads leads a lot to be desired um, offensively. Uh, same with Scotty Barnes at this point, but he's significantly younger. Like Scotty Barnes is probably like my only one who's off limits, but Pascal has just become, um, I think he's number four in real plus minus behind uh, Anthony Davis um, and a couple others uh, at the uh, power forward spot. But either way, I, I would be intrigued by something like that, but I would also just not be surprised if Masai takes a big swing like that, even if it, like Carlton Towns is not happy. He's like, I don't want to be in Toronto long-term, but if he's like, hey, uh, Towns, Barnes, and Fred Van Fleet, let's see what that looks like in the East uh, over a couple of years, because they just need offense, and they need more scoring on that front, and I would be so fascinated to see what Towns looked like uh, with this group, but I don't know. I, I just I think it's uh, I think it's possible. What do you think the Raptors ultimately do? I mean, if I'm them, I it's so weird because <laughs> they're like so close to like the sixth seed in the actual playing spot that you don't really want like if you I don't know, I feel like that kid. If you believe you could do anything, yeah, that's what I'm going with right now. No, honestly, if I'm the Raptors, I say blow it up. I think we've kind of seen some rumors already 
about them for the last two years now, right? If you believe this is the highest you can go, and let's be real, this team was an amazing team when you had a player like Kawhi Leonard at the top, right? And the supporting cast just fitted around that. Well, right now, you just have a supporting cast. They're great, but I was never high on the Pascal Siakam being that superstar type player. He's like an all-star type player to me. That's perfectly serviceable. That'll get you quite a return. But if you're looking to like lead you in like the top three of the East, I didn't see it. Fred Van Vliet, great story, great player, but not there. Scotty Barnes had a really good, in my opinion, overrated rookie season. But, you know, the Michael Carter Williams of, you know, last year's draft, like he's a solid player. But I would use him to retool. You know, Nick Nurse has already expressed that his frustration with the way that Gary Trent Jr. plays. Like, that's on record. So, like, <laughs> I expect Jr. to be moved, you know. Um, I just feel like it's time to, to blow it up. Let, let the Lakers sniff around. Let's see about passing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, I love that you said that because that's how I was going to end this. If the really? Lakers were smart, if the Lakers just faced the music. You can stop if, right there. If stop. they faced the music First and we're like, we're not winning the title. We this is not like we we're out of options. We're out of things we can do. Masai, Anthony Davis. I knew he was the one year. Like let Anthony Davis do the Kawhi thing in Toronto. Like you just send him over and just see what happens with Anthony Anthony Davis being the best player on the Raptors, and just see if you can get one healthy playoff run with Anthony Davis in the East with the Raptors and Raptors just becoming superstar. uh, Like uh, the overseas. Uh, college route where the the study abroad program that's what toronto needs to be the superstar study abroad program where you get a couple years and they're like all right well we're not doing toronto for like 10 years but we'll go <laughs> for a year or two we'll we'll see what happens that's the i mean og Ananobi, pascal scotty barnes i don't know who it would take of that group they have their picks the lakers calling about anthony davis when they get to like 11 and 24 or you know 12 and 26 when that's coming down the pike corbin that you're you're comfortable with and you're ready for that's when you just sell high on anthony davis and the mvp narrative and see if somebody like the raptors is willing to give up some really really intriguing important young players like barnes pascal or um or uh og well i will say this i mean First off, no, I'm just kidding. Like, that's interesting, but no. I'm, I just read, so Jake Fisher just dropped the piece literally while we've been recording um, that has the Lakers looking, again, that package I was talking about, I guess, is something they're thinking about. Also looking at Zach Levine. Why? I'm not sure. Um, but apparently more thinking Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn protected first to Detroit for Bogdanovich. And that, why? That, happened, that doesn't do anything. I don't understand why you would do that. What's and the point? Beverly apparently – one, I'm not sure, but also if Beverly was like betrayed to Detroit, he would want to go back to Minnesota, which yeah. like go back to the place you had a lot of fun and won your championship and everything. But the point being, like I, I think you just said it. Here's the problem, and, and just to close out, I don't want to close out Lakers stuff. We gotta go back to talk to Lauren about the Mavs. We can't do this, but the Mavs aren't in a good place either. Well, they're better than we are. I mean, I mean, like, well, hold on, like, we all are better than the Lakers are at this point. <laughs> Oh, Chase, something else, man. No, okay. <laughs> All I want to say is this. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. the Lakers are not going to trade anything Davis, right? LeBron James just committed him for another year. You have to have some uncomfortable conversations with him. If you're Opelink, you have to evaluate yourself, something he's shown that he has no concept of in the last couple of years he's been at that um, position because his contract is aligned with Darvin Ham's uh, in hopes of making this Laker team somehow a championship team. Uh, and you have to look about rebuilding. Like, they're holding these two pieces of this – they are these magical, you know, 
assets that are going to be great. Mind you, they are decent assets, but these are the only bullets they have left in the chamber. It's a lot of posturing. Anthony Davis, yes, if you're thinking like a GM who's who has good job security and didn't F up a championship team, then yeah, you're thinking, okay, you know what, let's do a, a Usai Majiri. Let's do, I don't know, another GM that went bold and, and, and trade a player who's playing really well, get a maximum return, and just shift our direction. Rob Pauline can't afford to do that right now. So mm. I think Davis says the problem is, like you said, uh, I don't know what Badanovich does. Like another shooter who can't play defense, great. That makes our offense yeah. that was lethal, great. Um, our defense would be an issue, though, and it already is. Um, same thing, I like Cam Reddish. I, I'm really high on Cam Reddish, and Evan Fournier thinks a serviceable shooting guard. But, like, their weaknesses aren't going to be hidden in L.A. Like, right now, we've become the team where, like, you know, you bring players on, yeah, you're going to look good in one area, but your weaknesses, we're not helping you here. Like, that's not what it's going to be. And also, shooters come to die in L.A. Only a Laker who has shot, like, around the same percentage that they came in from three the last couple of years was Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk. And if you haven't noticed, both those guys are gone, right? Every other player we've had who's coming with the noted label of shooting has underperformed. And that's been ever since we traded Avicii Zubak for Mike Muscala. It's just been that way. Danny Green, um, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, every single one. So, I, I mean... I like the Knicks package because I like Cam Reddish, a young player who can finally maybe keep under team control and, and move forward. He's going to be restricted free agent anyway. Man, I'm getting depressed. Let's talk. Let's talk. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have a breakdown here. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Here's – I'll end it positively for you. I think Trey Young's like not a hawk in less than two years. Oh, that hurts. That's bold. And I yeah. don't totally disagree with that. That's bold. Okay, Lawrence with the two. I mean, how it, about that Luca Luca Trey Young trade? Let's look back on that real quick. Oh, wow. Imagine Luca in the ATL and Trey leading Dallas. How you feel about that, Chase? No, well, I don't think Trey would be in Dallas in that scenario. Hmm. Because Trey yeah. would be probably. Trey I don't think Dallas would have taken Trey. No, they were going to take Wendell Carter Jr. If they Ooh, didn't take yeah. I don't know if I like that though. I think Trey would have fallen a little bit. Ugh. I think the Magic would have taken him. Yeah, magic. Right after the Mavs, I think they would have. That would have been, and it would have worked out well. That's interesting. You're right. I guess. Well, I feel like no, you're right because they would have committed to Dennis Smith Jr. at the time. Yeah, they were going to do Dennis Smith Jr. and Wendell Carter Jr. (laughs) That would not have been fun. No, No, it would not have. Also, Uh, Steph Curry just got injured, and things that aren't fun. He did. I saw he was holding his shoulder. Did he? Is he injured? He's out for the game. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Don't start the sentence with out for the game, Corbin. Out for the – I was like, whoa. Oh. <laughs> like, I almost like, had bad. a heart attack. Like, out My for bad. the what? My bad. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I just – yeah, no. I, I think it's going to continue to get worse. I think Nate's gone. My preseason prediction that Nate was going to be fired before uh, the middle of the season was – looking uh, pretty good. Feels pretty good about that one. Um, It's just – this is this is tough. The injuries have piled up, but, man, it's, it's quite black. It's – I was going to say bad and bleak. There we go. Bad. <laughs> uh, it's quite bad and quite bleak. Uh, in Atlanta, and I don't think it gets better um, anytime soon. I think this is, and this is how it ends for superstar blowups. When you make the big trade for like a Dejounte Murray, and it doesn't go well, they're like, "Well, what else is there? We've tried everything. You tried to build through the draft with Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins and company. That didn't get us there. Um, you didn't pay Kevin Herter, and I lost a lot of offensive firepower next to me. You didn't really go all in on contending." and DeJounte and this group doesn't work together, and now we're still a play-in team in the East. Like, I'm going to go ahead and go somewhere else. And there's just so much stuff behind the scenes. It's just not going well. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't, I'd love to be wrong, um, 
but I don't, I'm not optimistic about where the Hawks are headed uh, for the foreseeable future. It's, it's getting worse, I think, before it gets better. Um, Lauren, what can the good folks check out from you over on the podcast front, Mavs Moneyball, um, the podcast you do with your brother? Uh, yes. The Gunshot. Correct. Yes, the gunshot. Yes. yes. So you can follow me on Twitter at the Lauren Gun. That's Gun with two N's. I do co-host the Gunshot podcast with my brother Grant Gun. Um, and I may have a little announcement coming soon of a new project that I'm working on. So, oh. so yeah, you can come maybe check that out there. There you go. I like it. Uh Corbin, what about you, sir? It, on the podcast front, the writing front, what can the good folks check yeah. out for you this week? Appreciate this. Uh, appreciate us getting back together. Been a lot of fun. Um, find me on Ramble Ramble for sure. Just talking NBA musings. You know, going to pick it up a lot this upcoming year with some good guests. Already had one Lauren done uh, this past month. Hopefully get you on here soon, Mr. Chase Thomas. There we go. For the yeah, record. Yeah, um, you know, we'll have some, <laughs> have some fun there. Um, aside from that, I'm a host of uh, Sports Ethos Show. It's the Washington Wizards. Uh, follow them. I uh, also do one for the basketball podcast network covering the San Antonio Spurs. So I'm a little bit everywhere. You're everywhere. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I'm trying to be more, you know, in the content sphere. Um, we'll see how it goes. But just follow me on at Corbin NBA if you're so inclined. Like, that's where I'm at. And, you know, I'll make a good joke once in a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Go do that. I love that Follow if you're Lauren. so inclined. I love it every time. <laughs> I appreciate it. Lauren, Corbin, thank you as always for the time. It was great reconnecting um, this uh, basketball season. Let's uh, let's get back into it. Let's uh, let's do this more often. Uh, Lauren, Corbin, thank you. Talk to you all soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing. Mm -hmm. you're, um, pleasantness you're smart so i think i'm going to hear big things about you nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah